0: We wanted to be different, and we poke fun at ourselves, and we said, "Okay, let's, okay, let's put on our dresses and step up on stage." We had, at that point we didn't know what it was that we wanted to do. Let's just do something different. Uh, the logo was there from the very first night, and then we we decided, "Hey, let's put on makeup." We went downstairs into the basement and we saw some clown makeup lying around, and we did it just as a goof. The audience didn't think it was a goof. There's nothing wrong with playing without the makeup, and I think that it's that another concept can happen, and I wouldn't object to playing without the makeup, except for one simple fact that it wouldn't be KISS. If you take the makeup off, that is what the band is about, and without the persona and the mystique of the band, then you can still play rock and roll, and you can still do whatever it is that you want, but it's a different band.
1: And out of respect for the name KISS, I would change the name.
2: All right, KISS Army, you wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of your podcast. This is Gary Schaller.
2: And this is James Hager.
3: And tonight we're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of a landmark album in Kiss's career, that of course being the Lick It Up album. We're also going to be checking in with our good friend Jeff Guthrow, who attended the uh, Dayton Kiss Expo. But first, check this out. In 2009, the Hotter Than Hell album turns 35. As a part of Podkist's celebration, we're hosting a first-of-its-kind contest offering aspiring musicians within the KISS army a chance to share their skills with fans throughout the world. Now, to the best of our knowledge, Mainline has never been played live and there are no demo versions floating around. So the only way to enjoy this underrated KISS classic is by listening to the original album cut. But that is about to change. When Podkiss celebrates 35 years of Hotter Than Hell a few months from now, we want talented, musically inclined fans To contribute their own unique versions of this 1974 classic Contributions will be reviewed by the Podkiss staff members Then we'll select a winner And it will be featured in its entirety On an upcoming installment of Podkiss Celebrating Hotter Than Hell The listener who wins this contest Is also going to win the Kiss The Early Years book And five Paul Stanley Washburn guitar picks Courtesy of our friends at Vampire Sales um, if you want to check out vampire sales, go to uh, stores.ebay.com slash vampire sales. That's V A M P I R E S A L E S. Now, what we're looking for is something fresh. It's great if you can play, sing, and sound just like Kiss, but we want to hear you put your own stamp on this song. Send us your MP3 at podkiss@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's P O D. K-I-S-S-T at gmail.com James, what are your feelings on the Lick It Up album?
4: First off, in my opinion, it's one of the KISS albums that kind of flies under the radar. It's, you know, it's not as heavy as Creatures, but it's not as poppy as, say, Dynasty or Unmasked. So, when KISS is being discussed, Lick It Up is typically one of the few albums that is not really brought up
3: it's an album that I uh, I don't i have to say I don't have very strong feelings about in terms of loving it or hating it there's some material on it that I I absolutely love um, you know there are one or two songs I don't think are particularly outstanding but it, it's an album that kind of like you said flies under the radar uh, with one exception that being the visual aspect of the album because um, if you remember when we did the show on creatures I, I talked about walking into that record store in uh, Westchester New York and seeing the Creatures cover and how that grabbed me yeah Yeah, like a year later I walk into the same record store and and okay so just to set the stage a little bit here so I was let's see like 1983 I was um, probably like in third grade you know second grade or third grade and did not have MTV my folks were behind the curve in terms of getting cable I did not have MTV I think we had HBO (laughs) but I didn't have MTV I didn't hear anything on like TV about them taking the makeup off, I was completely unaware that they had decided to do that. So I walk into the record store, didn't even know that there was a new album out, and I see the stark white cover of Lick It Up with these four guys, no makeup, and I gotta tell you, my my first reaction was shock, and then immediately acceptance. Something about it felt right. Well,
4: for me, it was kind of, it was a little different, um, because as as you know, I've, I've mentioned before, I was a fan after they had put the makeup back on. You know, and I already knew, you know, Lick It Up was the album without makeup, blah, 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 blah. But for me, the experience buying the album is, uh, I, I bought the album at a place in, uh, here in Lexington, Kentucky. It just closed down, actually, um, at the end of this past year. Made me uh, quite sad. Called, uh, Just Jockey Records. And, uh, I went in and bought it, along with Animal Lies and Asylum. All wow. at the same time. And, um, used. They were all used. Um, and brought it home. It's, it's a great record, for me, Lick It Up has always had a a problem. I never think it's a good idea to play it until I'm playing it.
3: Wow, interesting. And then I, yeah, I'm like... Lick It Up doesn't come up, right? You don't think, like, I, I'm i going to listen to Lick It yeah, Up right now. Yeah, I'll
4: think, you know, let's put in Destroyer, or let's even put in Unmasked. But I'll never think, hey, let's put in the Lick It Up album. But once I do, I remember and realize there are some really outstanding tracks on there.
3: Well, one of the things I, I think I love about it is that... Um, it does hang together really well as an album. And I know we talked about like Creatures hanging together well as an album and like, I think Destroyer hangs together well as an album. There are definitely albums by Kiss that I don't think, like it feels like a mishmash. Like as much as I love, I love Kiss Unmasked, I think that's one of their finest records. It's it's pretty clear that it's a mishmash and Psycho Circus, same deal. You're listening to like nine different bands with, you know, eight different people and three different studios or whatever. And it sounds like that. With Lick It Up somehow it really seems to hang together. All the the songs sound like it's the same four people in, in one room. Absolutely. It sounds
4: instead of sounding like ten songs, it sounds like a record. Right. You know, and that's a and you know, there are some songs on there that I like more than others. You know, for example, I'm a huge, 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 huge fan of A Million to One, Young and Wasted, All Hell's Breaking Loose, Not for the Innocent. Um and then there are some songs I'm not a huge fan of, say, Dance All Over Your Face. I'm with you on that one. And I'm not a the biggest fan of uh, Fits Like a Glove.
3: I like Fits Like and a Glove. The I, day. I, I, I sort of wish they would play Fits Like a Glove again, because I, I think that's one of the best songs from the non-makeup years. And, it's you know, it's odd, because, you know, Say What You Will About Gene, that song somehow in, in, endured for a long time, like in the 80s when, you know, people say Gene was sort of absent, and Paul took the... Center stage, which is true, I guess, but um, somehow fits like a glove. Survives like that. That made it to several tours and really became like a, a mainstay of their live set throughout the non-makeup years.
4: It was almost Gene's signature song of the non-makeup years until Unholy. Yeah,
3: that's out. a that's a good way of putting it. I agree with that. Um, I, I I love the 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 kind of stark nature of the like the white album cover. It really worked. You have Gene's tongue kind of sticking out on the cover. Um, to me signifying that, you know, regardless of how different they look, it's still the same band. So um, I thought that that was a good move. I thought that they looked cool. And then I remember turning, I remember grabbing the record, right? So like 12 inch vinyl and turning it over and saying, you know, who is this guy with the, like the Egyptian thing around his neck? Cause I didn't know that they had replaced Ace Frehley. I, I didn't, I hadn't followed the Creatures tour. I was in second grade at the time when Creatures, uh, came out and they went on that tour and so my first inkling of Vinnie Vincent being in the band was seeing that album cover in the store
4: Look It Up I guess is the only album where Vinnie Vincent is the credited lead guitar player and uh, he did a, an amazing job not only with the guitar playing but you know with the uh, the writing absolutely you know I mean Vinnie, Vinnie really comes through and you can say what you will about Vinnie Vincent he's you know he's not always been the greatest guy to play the the classics sometimes or you know, sometimes he hasn't been necessarily ethical in some of his decisions or whatever, but when it comes to songwriting, and coming up with inventive, creative solos inside of Kiss, I'm not talking Vinnie Vincent Invasion. That's a whole other bag of worms. But inside of Kiss, Vinnie Vincent really, really came. Absolutely,
3: through. I I love his like this that one thing he does in the Young and Wasted solo. It sounds like a like a horse going out of control in the coolest way. <laughs>
4: That's just a great song
3: in Oh, I love that song. So let's quickly go track by track. You and I can talk about these, James. Um, wh- what do you think of Exciter?
4: Exciter is uh, one of those songs for me. It, it starts the album off. It's got a cool riff there at the beginning. For the most part, Exciter's a song that is kind of like the Lick It Up album itself for me. I don't really think about it. Right. Uh, if I'm going to skip a song, it's one of the about five that I'll skip. Not that I dislike it. It just doesn't really stand out to me.
3: I feel like... Um In some way uh exciter was an attempt to like recapture what the title track on creatures of the night did like start to start the album off with like this big bang and like the chugging guitars um and it's not fair to compare anything to creatures which is such a powerful album but i mean it sort of fell flat for me it just didn't feel like the same kick in the ass that creatures was yeah
4: yeah I, i can agree with that i mean it was at Case Kiss does this quite a bit. I've noticed that they'll try to recreate the mag- magic of previous songs or previous records, and they ultimately end up falling short. King of the
3: Mountain, right? Isn't I think another example? Not that I'm, not that this is a bad song. Not that any of these are bad songs. These are just opinions, folks.
4: Absolutely, I can agree with that. Um, you know, great songs, one and all. But sometimes you uh, you just have to go with the original. The original masterpiece to get your fill. Definitely.
3: So let's t- let's talk a little bit about Not For The Innocent, which I think is uh, like an underrated classic.
4: Not For The Innocent is one of those Gene songs that, you know, when when you hear it, again, it's a song that I never, ever think of when I'm talking about Kiss Classics. But when I put in the, the Lick It Up album and it plays, man, that is a song that just, it's, it's almost like it grabs you by the throat and just throttles you until the song is over
3: yeah i absolutely agree with that uh i I think that it 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 rocks hard it's got a great solo um and it sort of takes us into lick it up it it sort of sets the stage for the next song because you get this brooding gene simmons song and then you get this happy kind of contrast from paul with the title track so what do you what do you think of lick it up
4: lick it up is in my opinion a a great great song um all Right Live. I think it's definitely gotten better since they dropped the intro. Um, you know, I think they dropped the intro after the, the Animal Live right. tour. And they just start with the, the first you know, lyric, you know, I don't want to wait to you know right. any better. Uh, great song. For me, it's gotten a little, a little long in the tooth. I'm kind of, you know, ready for it to maybe put aside. But at the same time, if you listen to some of the the, cl- the shows that are happening right now it's one of the songs that really 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 gets a huge reaction out of the crowd Don't wanna till
2: you-
3: So then uh, the next track on the album, uh, After Lick It Up, is Young and Wasted, one of my all-time favorite KISS songs. Uh, you agree? Uh,
4: absolutely. Actually, if I'm going to pick a favorite track off of this album, it, it ultimately comes down to a Gene Simmons song versus a right. Paul Stanley song. If I have to pick a Gene yep, song, it's going to be Young and Wasted.
3: Me too. Solid tune. Yep. Just Awesome.
4: Rock. Great double bass playing by Eric Carr. Um, Gene's voice, superb and I loved it when Eric sang it too so I mean just a great song all around
3: yeah and a great riff it's almost like Gene's answer to Parasite in a way it's like the 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 1984 version of or the 1983 rather version of Parasite just rocks along with a with a killer riff Um, i
4: never thought of it that way but I have to agree that's a very Parasite-esque
3: yeah 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 yeah. I, I, I think so I mean just like I remember I heard it for the first time actually on the Animalize video because I I saw the Look It Up album and I didn't have enough cash in my pocket to buy it at the time, so I never wound up getting Look It Up until a couple of years after it came out. But I bought the Animalize video and heard Young and Wasted for the first time on that, and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, let me see. Next up is uh, Give Me More. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, which is a good song. It's again, it's sort of like a my feelings on that one is like it's it's a good song. It's sort of filler, I guess.
4: Yeah, great great filler track. Uh, I don't actually clamor to hear it live, um, and I'll never probably include it on a mix of Kiss classics. Right, me neither. But a strong album track, nonetheless.
3: Yeah, it's good. I mean, and remember, if you're listening, and we're insulting your favorite Kiss songs here, these are just our opinions. We 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 celebrate them all, but I think that the and let us know. Yeah, and let us know. Let Absolutely. Us know. I mean, we're we're happy to hear our differing opinions. Um,
4: Send us an email and say, you know, you idiots, blah blah blah. We'll read it on the air. Right, mean.
3: <laughs> right. But I would say that. Uh, it's 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 a, it's an okay way to end side one, but the beginning of side two is really outstanding, and that is uh, All Hells Breaking Loose.
4: All Hells Breaking Loose is uh, one of those songs I absolutely adore. If Million to One were not on this record, this would be by far my favorite Paul Stanley track.
3: It has a, a killer riff, and also it holds the distinction of being one of, I think, only two or three, maybe two Kiss songs... In the history of the band, where all four members of the lineup wrote it, absolutely. is that right? The yeah, other it's one. It's one of the
4: few, and uh,
3: yeah, the only the only other one I can think of is love theme.
4: Yeah, and it's got you know the great Paul you know pseudo rap vocals, and the video is just pure cheese. I mean, it's pure '80s it's, cheese, and God love it. It's
3: pure it's '80s made. cheese, but it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. It's like one of the highlights of of um, uh, the exposed video for yeah, me. absolutely. Next is a million to one which is a killer power ballad. Not only that, but I have a really nerdy factoid for you. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so here's my nerdy factoid about a million to one. It features the longest word in any KISS song. And that is? Misunderstood. <coughs> Obviously like the shortest word in a KISS concert, uh, in a KISS song rather is either I or A, but the longest word I think thus far is misunderstood. And and that is in a million to one. So if if nothing else, a uh, million to one holds the distinction of having the longest word in a Kiss song, and and that's that's why you listen to podcasts for that for those nuggets. There you go. Um, next up, let's see. Now this is this is interesting, right? So you have a million to one, and then this rare thing happens that that doesn't usually happen on a Kiss album. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only time that this happens, which is you get three Gene Simmons songs in a row closing the record. Where else does that happen besides his solo album?
4: I don't I don't think it has. Right. Now that you've met um, Creatures has two, Killer and then War Machine. That's
3: right. I mean and, and and not unlike Creatures, this is an album in which Gene is heavily involved and actually has more material, right? He has well no, let's see, he has he has as many lead vocals as Paul does and he writes let me see. He's involved in writing more songs on this album than Paul is.
4: There's a, there's an interesting little factoid I never thought about. Usually, uh, when you hear non-makeup kiss and you're not talking about revenge, you automatically think Gene Simmons was absent. Right. But that's obviously, you know, not the case in quantity nor quality of uh, material on this record. That's right.
3: I, I think that he more than stepped up to bat. I mean, maybe that has something to do with the fact that it, it wasn't 100% decided that they were taking the makeup off. Maybe it's because he was still riding on you know the the creature's wave or maybe it was the chemistry of having Vinny in the band but for whatever reason uh, Gene really represents uh, well and and in great quantity on this album and the next song after a million to one is I think one of Gene's finest uh, 80s moments which is uh, fits like a glove. Uh,
4: We were talking earlier and you know fits like a glove is kind of Gene's signature 80s song and his signature non-makeup song until unholy was released right
3: I mean when you think about like what what he brought to the table in the 80s that that made it to the live set it was the stuff that really stuck around was um, I love it loud and uh, fits like a glove and I, I kinda wish that they would bring that song back I um, I'd like to hear the current lineup play that I think it, it would sound great with um, Eric Singer on drums it, it would really rock um,
4: I think uh, I think it would be great I, I would be a little concerned about Gene's voice but you know it doesn't stop from seeing as Parasite right yeah or or watching you I mean he'll have to you know to adapt but that's what's great about Kiss is they manage to adapt and still make things sound they do or they
3: or they would get I mean you know or get like Eric to sing it like he did with Eric Carr there's flexibility here which is cool um and and, you know I I, I just think that pulling out songs like that whatever they have to do to the arrangement to make it work it's well worth it for me because it's a song that I've I never got to see them play live in person but I would love to hear it so um, but then the next two songs are songs that, even as a Gene fanatic, I feel really kind of leave me a little flat.
4: Uh, I have to I have to agree that the the final two songs on this record, unfortunately, leave the record not on a bad note, but just on a very anticlimactic note. On
3: the eighth day isn't bad, but I've never been a fan of dance all over your face. I
4: think Gene would agree with us on that, actually. He's my
3: favorite member of any rock band ever, and and I and I think that he, you know, like I said, he pulls out some great material on this album it's just um you know i've never been a fan of, of that's of that song dance all over your face and you know, on the eighth day isn't bad i think that it it's basically i think of any vincent song that benefits from gene's creative contributions it's not a bad song none of these are bad songs i just don't i don't know that it speaks necessarily to what i want to hear at the end of a kiss album but you know to each their own and it is a fine record so you know with that in mind what we wanted to do is give people an opportunity to hear some of the stuff that went on in the studio while they were making the Lick It Up album. And for that, we're going to take a trip down to Abner's laboratory.
1: Oh, Abner Devereux, sure. Well, this Abner Devereux, where can I find him?
2: His workshop's located underneath the Sky Tower.
1: You mean underground?
0: Yeah, way underground. Way underground. Way underground. I'll just activate the elevator mechanism. You step inside.
4: Abner's laboratory. For this album, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley teamed up with Michael James Jackson for the second time in a row. They recorded the album at various studios in New York City, and it was eventually released on September 23rd, 1983. So without further ado, there are some demos and some of the recording sessions of the "Link It Up" album. <laughs>
0: Gather around, boys and girls, as we tell you another story of I Remember When I Bought That Kiss Album. When you actually bought albums at a store, not just downloaded an mp3, join us in another episode of I Remember When I Bought That Kiss Album. I remember Lick It Up came out around September 20th, and we had an unbelievably early snow and i did not have a car at the time i wanted to go get the album the day it came out but that was not working i had to depend on my friends dan and branton to get me a ride to a record store and when we would go to buy records it wasn't enough to go to kmart or something like that we had to go to a record store and there was a store in menor called the record den and it was the store and still is a great place from what i understand to get imports and stuff like that a really really cool store anyway we got up on a Saturday morning and we decided we were going to go get Lick It Up and of course I had enough money because I would always buy you know six or seven albums at a time back then and uh, it, was, it was absolutely awesome so we get to the record den and while we're in there we're, we're shopping around for about an hour the whole parking lot becomes nothing but white we were literally stranded at the record store for three hours. You couldn't get in or out. Uh, it was it was insane. <laughs> and we were the only customers in the store. And the people that were working there said, well, would you like to hear the album? And they actually played the entire Lick It Up album for us. Not once, not twice, but three times. And it just was so cool. And, you know, I'm had plenty of time to shop since you couldn't leave the store it was a whiteout, and uh it was it was insane they went in the back and uh, they brought a box out the guy said hey you guys may be interested in this and they pulled out a bunch of cardboard album flats now cardboard album flats they had the front of the album artwork on it and sometimes the back the album artwork or some sort of promotional spiel but these were the ones for the lick it up album And they literally gave us like 20 of those. And they gave us like three or four Lick It Up posters. And these were really thick posters. It was really cool. And it was so strange because these people didn't really care for Kiss. They they weren't really fans per se. But they knew that people had come in to buy the Lick It Up album, and of course 45 because back then you could buy the 45s, which have nothing to do with buying a gun. But that's a whole other subject. But um So <laughs> it was just so cool listening to the Lick It Up album, sitting there by the counter, and just digging it. And everybody was having a good time. And uh, eventually the white up went away, and we paid for everything and walked away with our bounty and it was just a really cool KISS buying record moment in my life. I remember when I bought that KISS out. I have amazing memories of seeing KISS on the Lick It Up tour. Uh, it, it, what an amazing time to be a KISS fan. It was a very, very much a transitional time for sure. Uh, I saw them twice on that tour. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, February 22nd, and Pittsburgh, PA, uh, March 4th. I remember particularly the, the February 22nd concert as uh, being very cold. It was like the Antarctic out, but it did not keep people away. Uh, tons and tons of folks were there, and radio... Was really behind the "Lick It Up" single at this point, and it was weird because you had—I uh, mean, it was right alongside Van Halen tunes and and other songs of the day, and it was it was it was a hit on the local radio station on WMMS out of Cleveland, which was like the station at the time. And uh, there was tons of people there, tons of people there, and I think that a lot of people were there just to see Kiss without their makeup, as weird as that may sound. Uh, the year before we had seen the creatures tour come through, and that was absolutely amazing and they had the tank, of course, and the uh, personally for me the tank is is probably my favorite kiss stage of all time. it was just amazing when that tank shot off it was like uh, your chest would cave in and out when you see the films of the atomic testing being done, and you'd see like the bomb would go off and there'd be this shock wave that would just Destroy everything in its path, but it, you could actually see the shockwave as it like broke through the little houses that they'd built. That's the way that that it was when that tank shot off. It was it was li- literally breathtaking, and it was amazing. It was a fantastic uh, stage. Uh, Eric Carr, what can I say about Eric Carr? Uh, he just his drums were huge sounding, and uh, none of the bootlegs or anything that you're going to hear will sound or have the impact that his drums had live. Uh, and Vinny, what what more can you say about Vinny? He's just absolutely amazing. A lot of people say that Vinny overplayed his solos. I don't feel that he overplayed anything. I think that it was what was needed at the time. They needed a Gunslinger, and Vinny was their guy. And uh, the guy literally would, would burn down every stage he was on. He would jump around and it was it was absolutely amazing to see him play and he, it was devastating i believe that a lot of people that had been at the creatures show the year before had brought two or three people along with them to now let you see this new guy in kiss, and kiss and people were talking about it. i mean it was being written about in magazines and everything and people were really into vinny and uh it was it was a very exciting time to be a kiss fan and on top of that, uh, you have Gene and Paul on the top of their game. It was very reminiscent of 1975. You know, you watched the Kobo the Hall footage, and there was an electricity in the air, and that same electricity was there for the Lick It Up tour. In some ways, more so than the Creatures tour. Kids uh, at that point were hungry, and bands that are hungry have something to prove. KISS was coming out swinging, and they were coming out uh, naked for all intents and purposes with, uh, without the face paint. And it was, it was an absolutely amazing concert. Paul Stanley said something on KISSology, too. He said that people were now listening with their eyes more so than their ears, mainly because Creatures of Night was arguably a better album than Lick It Up. The only reason why I think people bought Lick It Up more than Creatures of the Night was because we had no makeup on. That was the only reason. Um, that could be. But uh, I know that there were people there that night that that was their first KISS show. They really uh, had had heard the legend of KISS or whatever, and there were people who were walking away going, Wow, I saw KISS without their makeup on. <laughs>
1: We are Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Thanks very much for coming in. Hey, it's Pleasure. great to be here. Now, you've been together as a band for, what, about 10 years now, isn't it? Going on 11. It's almost 11 years now. How, how did you meet? How did you get together? Um, we, were the, uh, we used to see each other on the street, and we were the only two people wearing white face and platform boots. Yeah. And, and we leather figured, and studs. And we <laughs> figured we should be in a band together. It was a good place to start. Actually, uh, we met at somebody's house. Uh, we both played with the same guitar player. So you were friends, really, before the band started? We met. We met. You I wouldn't met. say we were friends. No. And whereabouts are you from in America? New York City. And Every, do you still live everybody there Everybody in the band. Oh, yes. Once 24. From, yeah, New York isn't the kind of place you leave. I mean, once you're from New York, you're always from New York. Yeah. Now listen, when, when people think of KISS, as well as the music, they think of the stage presentation and the fact that you wear the colorful makeup. Right. But in fact, you've stopped wearing the makeup now. Right. Right? What, what's the reason for this? Well, it's been 10 years. And, and uh, we just felt that it was time to change something. And we didn't want to become prisoners to something that we had created. I mean, what Kiss is doesn't change. What we believe in doesn't change. What's inside of us has never changed. I mean, the music's the same, the show's the same. I think if anybody had the idea that what was going on as far as makeup was all that Kiss <clears throat> was about, they were kind of barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, hey, she- just, sorry. I was just gonna add that makeup is something that we added as a dressing, as something special. 10 feet into the audience, you can't see the makeup at all. You can only see commitment. A boring performer wearing makeup is a boring performer. Right. <clears throat> the makeup on a convincing performer or a performer that cares about the audience is not is an exciting thing. But the makeup itself doesn't make or break a performer. It's the performer. It's what's right. inside. So you- we can see you tonight at the Queen's Hall without the makeup. You've also just... If you have ple- a ticket. If you have okay. a ticket. If you have, don't have a ticket, you missed it. Can I just ask you this quickly? You've also been on a, an extensive European tour. Tell me about the Mexican pie fight, just quickly. The uh, infamous Mexican pie fight. Well, I don't know if Mexico going to let us back in, but um, we were celebrating a birthday party, and uh, we wound up buying all the cakes and pies that the restaurant had to offer and... Uh, hitting each other. Hitting each other with them, and then the waiters all stood by and gave more pies. It must have been a very expensive pie. It was a $3,000 luncheon.